you were in the bathroom jody and i discussed that you would be the opener for this episode because it's your turn now <laughs> oh it's my turn okay. uh, well i guess uh i was thinking you would be because, <laughs> because uh, okay i'll do it it's okay i'll do it i'll do it if i knew exactly like what i what i could say is like this is what we're talking about today then okay Okay. I'd be able I'll do to do it. Better. But I can still greet everyone, say hello, and then I'd be like, <laughs> I can just hand it off to you. I already oh, said I'd gonna do it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, let me have some water. Let me wet my whistle. Okay. <clears throat> Welcome back to the Quantum Shit Show. I am one of your hosts, Danny, and I am joined with our other co hosts, Jody and Bo. Yo. What's up? Yo, yo. Affectionately known as Bodie. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they were kind of like Siamese twins. <laughs> Our last episode, we were discussing some of the toxic um, traits that show up in healing spaces and communities, and we felt like a fluid transition um, from that conversation would be to make this episode about um, agreements of agreements and aspects of healthy and thriving communities. So I don't really have any points to talk about. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I think. Is it because we have yet to experience a healthy and thriving community? <laughs> it's all hypothetical. Here's the hypothetical way that you have a healthy and thriving community. <laughs> Please, please don't edit this out. This is so funny. Yes. Yeah, I was thinking even since the beginning. So for for everyone who's listening, we're experimenting. We're full on experimenting um, because, you know, well, first of all, we're getting our tech gear all set up like headphones. I mean, I mean, even since the first episode, you guys will probably notice um, that Jody and I have a new mic. If you can't tell, well, maybe we didn't need one. <laughs> but our, our mic, and, and you know, Danica, after the first episode, she went and got a good mic, and we got uh, the same mic, actually. And so we all have new equipment, and the mics are requiring us to have headphones plugged into it. <laughs> so we need... We need, side by side smashed together. Yeah, we have over ear oh headphones. We have two pairs, one for Jody, one for me, but <clears throat> we only have one audio plug in and we don't have a splitter because we just don't know what we're doing. Right? <laughs> so but we will. She, we will. We, yeah, exactly. This is like one of those things. We get into this position, we start setting up to do the podcast and um, Jody and I just finished a long drive and we just got back home and we're ready to go. So we think... And then turns out we need a splitter for our headphones because uh, otherwise the it just wouldn't work. So right now we have some 
some Apple headphones with a cord and she said the Siamese thing because <laughs> she's got her, her left ear in and I got my right ear in and we're sharing <laughs> headphones. Um, and it's working out. It's working out, but we're, we're um, basically just getting our shit together. <laughs> sure. Learning how to get our shit together and um, jumping into it. Oh. So anyway, welcome back to the Quantum <laughs> Shit Show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're oh consistently gosh. working to do our shit. Yep. Yes. <clears throat> Putting our lives together. Um, no, but you know what? I actually, whenever we were talking about this earlier, I, I had a lot of things actually come to my mind, and it's not hypothetical. Um, it's actually lived experience. So I don't mind sharing some of that lived experience with you guys. Um, mm-hmm. I can only speak to this from the place of like being a mom. Um, so for those of you who don't know, like I have four, um, now adult children and, um, I, oh my gosh, I totally had to move through parenthood with my kids early on, just mostly like everybody else does. You know, you're just kind of learning as you go. You're like on the job training basically, and you're just screwing it up left and right and figuring it out and trying not to screw your kids up as bad as you were screwed up by your parents and, you know, I mean, just making adjustments. So I think my kids were, um, older in their elementary school years. And like, I grew up in a really strict home where, um, you know, we were spanked or paddled and, um, you know, we were expected to behave a certain way. We were taught manners and that was very important from the South. So there were things like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Like, I mean, we would have just been destroyed if we didn't like respond in those ways. So I, I mean, really, and you know, we just grew up in a strict household and it wasn't that there wasn't love there. It was just very strict. And I carried a lot of that over into my parenting because I was so young when I started parenting my kids and that influence was still very heavy in my life. And, you know, of course those are things I've looked back on now and been like, I wish I could change that. But I did get to like pull myself back a little bit with my kids Um, I think they were around, like my oldest was probably around eight or nine. And I remember having a conversation with my dad who was like, um, talking about, you know, punishment and ways to correct your children and spanking and all of this. And I was like, I just don't believe that spanking is the answer. And I think my dad almost like fell out of his chair and he just looked at me and he's like, that's ridiculous. And I was like, I think spanking is ridiculous. And I just think that if it were the answer, you would do it once and you'd never have to do it again. Like, boom, problem solved. If that's really the solution, problem solved. And he's like, no, you have to, you know, keep consistency. Anyway, we went back and forth about it. But it was like in that moment, I was just having a massive, like, parenting crisis with my kids. And I was just very disenchanted with the way I had been raised. And I was like, I don't want to continue these um, traits with my own children. Because the one thing I could say was that my parents were very strict And we knew what the boundaries were. So the boundaries, great. We had good boundaries because we knew what they were. But what we did not have in that space was any kind of trust. And we did not feel safe. So this is a whole thing because you can have a boundary, but if it's an electric fence, it's just there to instill fear and let people know, don't you dare cross this line, right? As opposed to like having a boundary that sets a space that creates safety for everyone. And so I remember going through that process Um, even in that conversation in my mind, I was just like, there's a better way. Like, I believe that there's a better way to parent my kids. And I was searching for it. 
And I had to fumble along for several years, but I was really attempting to create space for my children with me in our relationship. That wasn't like a relaxed friendship, but also wasn't that stern, like I'm the parent, you will listen to me. Because I started to realize as my kids became teenagers that if I didn't create safety for them, they would never tell me anything right? They were going to sneak around and lie and hide things and do all. And I was like, I don't want that. I already know what they're going to do. They're kids. They do what kids do because I was a kid and I did the same things. So I'm not going to act like that parent that's like, I can't believe you did this. It's so disappointing. It's like, you know, they're going to do it. You did it. You know, why do you act like that? And so (laughs) I just was like, I'm not going to create that environment. I want to create an environment where my kids feel safe and they feel like they can trust me. And so I started to really, um, I want to say experiment, but I like, I had to feel it out. I had to feel what that was like with my own children as they got into high school and things. And those are the years that are like, they're definitely going to lie. They're definitely going to sneak around. They're going to sneak out and go to parties. They're going to do this and that. And I just started making it a point to have really open conversations with my children so that they could know it's okay to come talk to me about whatever you're going through because I'm not going to judge you. Now, I'm not going to agree with everything you do, right? But I'm not, there's not going to be judgment here or condemnation. When I say judgment, that's what I mean, you know, because that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about condemnation. And it was not easy because my kids did a lot of things. And I was just like, what the hell are you doing? You know, um, and they've gotten into some trouble, you know, and I've had to uh, help them out of that. But um, I also told them that I would not condemn them in that space, but I would create a space where they could come tell me. And if they made choices that I did not agree with that, even though I'm their mom and I've got your back and everything, those choices that you make, you're going to have to walk the consequences out yourself. Mm-hmm. I can't save you from that. And so <clears throat> this could sound like I'm totally off track, but I just, this was my experience with beginning to build what I feel like is my, like it is my family unit, but community starts there anyway. Like we can't even talk about big community until we talk about what's going on at our house. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, everybody wants to go lead a revolution, lead the new earth, lead this. And I'm like, yeah, but how's your house? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Are your relationships completely falling apart? Like, yeah. Like, how are you leading your family? Like, how's it with you and your partner? And how's it with you and your children? If you have them, how is it with you and your friends? Mm-hmm. How's it with you and yourself? Hello. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, exactly. So it's just like, <clears throat> I think that when it comes to healthy community, we, we will organically be able to do that when we start right here, right at our front door, right at our home, you know? And like what you said, Dan, they're right with ourselves. And so there is, you know, I, we've mentioned this in other podcasts and stuff, but it's like asking the questions about like, where am I betraying myself, you know, or where am I keeping my own boundaries and where am I honoring myself or where am I um, staying aligned and in integrity with what I say and what I do, you know, like these are all places that we have to start if we're going to start building something that's outside of ourselves, you know, that we are a part of, <clears throat> but is an extension of us, you know? So. Yeah, I think you're right on track with, <clears throat> excuse me, I think you're right on track with um, making the parallel between like parenting and also community because parenting is a type of stewardship. And we are, 
having to steward communities, right? We're responsible for the health of these communities in the same way that we're responsible for the health of our kids or, you know, our animals or whatever. It's a, a community is a living thing. It's a living, breathing, thriving entity. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a body. And, um, we have to build it on trust and trust is that foundation. So it's the trust you know, between us and ourselves, the trust between us and God, the trust in our relationship with our kids or our friends or our family or whatever. And I just, you know, I I haven't been a part of, this is so funny, it's making me laugh about the like the (laughs) hypothesis of a healthy community, (laughs) but I haven't been a part of a healthy, thriving community, right? Uh Um, But I can say that I'm a part of a healthy and thriving friendship with the three of us. And that is a very small (laughs) contained community, right? And I think the way that we entered into this relationship um, together was built on trust because we came into the space together, all three of us, with um, like authenticity, vulnerability. We built trust and... um, we were just this brings me back to the stuff that you talk about bo about honoring agreements what agreements are there here even spoken or unspoken right verbalized or unverbalized um what agreements are implied what agreements and social pacts should be a part of any relationship or a community um or a social group and how do we violate them and how do we honor them and when i think about applying um I guess any uh, philosophy towards a community, I think of how the three of us entered into our friendship and our relationship. And that's how I want all of my relationships to be. And I said this in the first episode, and I'll say it again because it it's worth repeating, but the friendship that I have with the both of you has helped me to raise the standard for other relationships in my in my life. And what I will allow, what I will conduct, how to renegotiate the boundaries there and what agreements are missing, what agreements are dishonored and what agreements need to be put in place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So good. Something that you were saying, Danica was making me think about, well, you said that this relationship has kind of set the standard and I was like, wow, you know, I can see how people set standards for relationships in their lives based on um, really erroneous measures. Like, um, a lot of these friendships and these connections are built on affinity of like, well, we all like the same thing or we all follow the same people. So we're naturally connected and we start calling ourselves a community when there are real, there's real, no, um, there's no real, let me speak correctly. There's no real foundation that can hold it or sustain it. So that if at any moment, anyone changes their mind or changes their narrative or changes their conversation, it like sends a ripple out into that little quote unquote community. And then people are, you know, dispersed and sent out a million different directions, which is kind of what we were talking about last week. But I thought, um, so long, I was part, a part of different kinds of, you know, communities, um, whether it was in business or social connections or whatever. And I remember that people would come into those groups and they would establish friendships. And I'm using quotes, um, friendships because they were like, 
well, we get it. Between us, we just get it. You know, whatever it was, you know, it's like we have the same spiritual ideas or we get it on a spiritual level or we get it on a business level. And then they they cut people off in their life. They cut their families off. They cut people close to them off because it was like they're just not they're just not of the same mindset. And I don't even if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. And I'm like, that's what they built relationships on. And then guess what? Somebody changed their mind. They exactly. had the same mindset and then somebody changed their mind and now they're not friends. Like how many times have, <laughs> have, well, I can say in a personal example is the social community through social media that I say, for example, like Instagram, <laughs> you will, I'll say I connected to hundreds of people who I felt were aligned to something that was a value of mine. In this particular case, um, I'll use truth as an example, even the truth seeking community in the many different ways that that shows up, uh, feeling like I'm connecting with more and more people who are aligned to something that is such a core value of mine right now. Uh, and that still personally has not changed. I still feel that way, even though my understanding of truth has changed. Um, and the expansion of that, I've seen it grow. Uh, it I haven't really changed my mind about most of the things that I felt a year ago whenever it came to what I felt was true and not. And there have been some major um, changes that I've seen in social connections through Instagram, for example, for myself, or even Facebook, where I think people are so hurt by the rigidity that's created around something like truth. Whenever truth is absolute liberation, I mean, we were talking about this early, like on the drive home, the truth is it's meant to set you free, not burn your entire house to the ground with you in it. It's like, uh, not to be used as a weapon, but it's one of those things that's just an offering. It's like, this isn't going to come to where you are. It's going to stay where it is, but it's not going to close its door to you. Right. It's kind of like truth and God are, are very synonymous in that way. And then I see people who are so hurt by the inverted masculinity or the rigidity that's created around truth and almost this exclusivity around. If you can't come a hundred percent of the way here to where I am right now, then it's not enough. Right. Or you can't call it truth. And there's been times I say, yes, I agree with that. And then times that I'm like, well, that is literally just a personal view that you have right now. Um, (laughs) But I see people rejecting that and then coming and being like, truth is not the the only thing worth seeking. And then they want to go seek all these other things. And it's like automatically the atmosphere and the climate starts to change person by person, because at an interpersonal level, these interactions are being had. And it's turning people off to the things that brought us all together in the first place. And this is just an example of, uh, you know, like we talked about Mad Libs, things that can be, you can fill in the blanks in a million different ways. Um, you know, if you have a, a, a group of people on Facebook who all like 1971 Camaros, <laughs> and then one by one, they start like being like, the Camaro's just like this Mustang. And they start like posting a picture of the Mustang and everyone's like, no, 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 no. And then there's a fracturing that happens. It's not as, it, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Even though this person's <clears throat> view has like expanded or changed, 
in that group, they agree like, no, we're only going to share this here. Yeah. It's the same formula, no matter how you spin it. It's the same shit in a different wig. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is, I think this is a really good segue to what we were talking about earlier about extremism. I feel like, (sighs) yeah. So I think and again, this is hypothetical because we, have, because we don't really have a, you know, a, a, a set baseline for what a, a healthy, thriving community is, right? At least in the last couple of generations. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think and I feel that, um, you know, in my own experience, extremism on either end of the spectrum is often what causes a lot of fracturing between um, – you know, other people in interpersonal relationships and in the self too. Because if we tend to swing from one end of the spectrum to the other, then it sends off this like dissonance in us because we don't like to be wrong, right? Exactly. But the thing is, is that we're so, so complex. We are humans and there are so many intricacies within the individual human experience, there's like how many 7 billion people on this planet and each one is having an individual experience? Like what? <clears throat> there can't be like sweeping generalizations or um, that that polarity that we think that we're supposed to be having. Like if you're not pro, you're con. If you're not for this, you're anti this or whatever. The nuance of the human experience is what lies somewhere in the, in the, in the center. And that's usually where, excuse me. Um, that's usually where the truth really is. And, um, I was, this is the whole reason why I changed my name to subtleties of the self, because there has to be an acknowledgement and an honoring of the subtleties of the human condition and the human experience. And this is reminding me of the story that I told y'all today earlier on the phone, but I was talking to a girl today in a mentorship call and she was just, we were, we were just going like stream of consciousness. She was just like, you know, just saying stuff out loud and processing it. And I was just giving her feedback, like right in the moment. And she was like, you know, she was having some disconnect around the, the moon stuff. And, um, if you're new to this, uh, if you're new to this concept about the moon, um, that's that's potentially a different podcast topic altogether. But <laughs> suffice it to say that there's some poten- <clears throat> there's potentially some negative energies um, or some nefarious energies that kind of circulate around the moon and what the moon stands for, the consciousness that is kind of like housed in the moon or whatever. But <clears throat> anyway, she was saying that she had found a lot of comfort and um, structure and benefit in using the this uh, calendar called like the 13 moons calendar. And there was other stuff in it. It wasn't just about the moon, right? And then she found out about the moon uh, through coming into this community. And then she just scrapped the whole thing. And she brought it up because it was something that was her, in her subconscious was bothering her, right? And so she just brought it up like stream of consciousness. And she was like, I found benefit in it and I can't do it anymore. And I'm like, why? She's like, because the moon's bad. And I was like, okay. And, 
And do we throw the baby out with the bathwater here? If there's some benefit to you in this, take out the part that's not benefiting you. Take out the part that you no longer resonate. Take a a fine-tooth comb and kind of sift through it and use your discernment. If there's something that's benefiting you in there, continue to use it. And then know that it's not final. Down the road, you may outgrow that also and you may not need it. But for now, go ahead and do it, right? Because if we... I have the ability to know what the moon is and have awareness of what the moon does and affects our consciousness. And I can look at it and not have a visceral reaction to it, right? I don't get pulled either way. I'm not entranced by it. And I'm not, uh, I'm also just not like jumping out of my skin by being revolted by it when I look at it, right? I am emotionally neutral. This is called energetic sovereignty, right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So I, am, I don't have a visceral reaction to it. If I, it doesn't make sense to me because it's like we perceive the moon with our eyes. If we're getting rid of everything that has to do with the moon, we may as well just not even exist on earth and we should claw our eyeballs out so that we don't even perceive it anymore, or that we don't exist in the same realm as it, right? So it's like we can have awareness of something and also choose not to participate in it and also not have a complete and total emotional reaction and aversion to it and not also be completely like, uh, like worshiping it. Right. All of those things can mutually exist at the same time. So there doesn't have to be this. and, And that right there, that conversation that I was having with her gave her so much permission to just have her own personal experience and not try to it, to mold herself into everybody else's journey around her in this community. And and this is what I told her. I was like, we do not want this work to become dogma. We have left the doctrines for individual relationship and we cannot turn individual relationship into doctrine again, or we're doing the same damn thing over and over and over again. Right? So I think extremism on any end of the spectrum is something that is not present in a thriving and healthy community. I totally agree with you. Right. Here, here. I think that there's a lot in this too. Like there's, like you said, so many subtleties, so much nuance. And I think the human experience is really unique because of the time that it takes to go through the journey and the process. And it's not like you can, uh, always be in this place of like fully conscious and aware of everything that's going on. Or if you start receiving information about something, there's the journey of unpacking what's already in its place to make room for what's more true or more aligned for you. So I know that it's a very individual and personal process whenever it comes to, I mean, the moon is a perfect example of this. I mean, that's the first thing that I thought of. I was like, yeah, throwing the baby out with bath, bath water and almost like coming to a, a true neutrality. Mm-hmm. And I know that we've even talked about this, not in this podcast before, but understanding what neutrality is not in a numbness or a absolute passivity. It's like still understanding, like when it comes time to say like, this is what it is to recognize the truth or to um, acknowledge truth, which can mean, uh, changing stance, which can look like uh, deconstructing a belief system, which can look like reinforcing one that's already there. It can show up a lot of different ways. Um, but yes, I think that the nuance comes from each of our 
personal timing and programming because the different circumstances and backgrounds accumulate to everything that we are faced with whenever there is a new understanding, a deeper understanding or more to the picture or more history, more context to something like the moon, right? Because growing up, I, uh, my whole family was like so centered around the moon in just the same way as the sun. It was just another part of nature growing up. But as I got older and started to reconnect with my own spiritual ancestry, I started to learn more about, I started to understand more about what this is to me, the moon specifically, but so many things. And my understanding of how I felt before started to change and I had to grieve that. It was like a grief that was like this feeling of almost having this ignorance is bliss sort of. I wish I could just have that simple understanding of something again. And then going through this almost trauma response. I know Jody, you probably have some really good stuff to say because you've written some things about overreactions or swing, swinging the pendulum uh, whenever it comes to receiving more information and in the search for truth for each of each one of us, I can, I can say for myself with the moon is like, yeah, it's so easy to swing the pendulum because I'm hurt now that something came and kind of like, I feel like took that thing that I appreciated about the moon away from me. Because at one point it was like, I felt relief whenever I saw it, or it was like, I look up and I'm like, just in awe. I remember spending so many nights looking through a monocular, just like wondering about it, wondering all kinds of things and feeling connected to the mystery of it. And uh, as that the questions that I had started to be answered as I started uh, really going on a, a spiritual journey to come into relationship with God, but understanding more and being available for different kinds of truth, um, different people's take on truth, and then looking at parallels and cross-referencing different stories and history around the moon uh, I realized that it's it wasn't just as simple as I thought whenever I was a kid looking up and going, wow, the moon makes the tides. And it's like, come to find out it has a massive impact on so many things. I mean, the radiation that comes from the earth, how people feel. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to keep it as baseline as I can without getting into any sp- specific uh, storylines um, because I would enjoy doing that too very much. But The point that I'm making is like, it almost came from the pain of like feeling like something was taken away from me and then feeling like also this false, weird, like savior complex to like tell all these people what I knew now and just be like, I'm the one with the information. I'm the one with the knowledge. Don't you see you're all in danger? Don't you see you're all (laughs) buying into this thing? Um, And if you've had an experience with something like it or it can be anything around uh, things that at one point were kind of used in a way to like broadcast the awe and power of God and then come to find out it's like, well, there's actually a different kind of story behind this, but so many things it's like, go try to tell all these people or try to talk to my family about it. And try to, you know, make posts on social media and different platforms, try to say my point and say my piece and um, kind of project this thing onto other people even if they're not asking for it. And then it's like, I have to realize that I'm just doing this because 
I'm hurt. And there's so many different ways. I mean, I think for myself, I've done it so many times because I'm just like, I was so blind before, but now I see it's almost like somebody who feels like they've been saved by Jesus. And then they want to go try to talk to everyone about Jesus and walk up to you in the parking lot and give you banana bread and pray for you and tell you how good, banana bread. good God is. I do love banana bread though. It's the bait. They'll give you the banana bread and the pamphlet. And then they'll be like, this is a good person. Don't take the banana bait. <laughs> Don't take the banana bait. Yeah. It's a personal experience. You might give me banana bread oh and then be God. like, can I pray for you, man? And then pray for me for like 20 minutes in a parking lot. I'm just like, please. You just got hijacked. Please let <laughs> me go. like all your time is hijacked. Please let me go, man. But it, it was like he wanted so badly to share this thing that he felt was like the truth. And I have to give it to you. And every interaction is this opportunity to drop a truth bomb and like set you free. But it just does more damage in the end and it's easily rejected. So I don't know mm-hmm. if there's so many different points in there that I couldn't even really land on one, but. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's kind of the nature of that pendulum swing too. Just lo- looking at my own experience over the solstice, I've started to shed and move through so much stuff and just the, the prospect of simulation theory had my mind like whirling. And I noticed that I started to swing that pendulum, the proverbial pendulum Mm -hmm. from what I know now, right. To the opposite end of, well, if this is true, do I actually know anything? Do I, you know what I mean? And then, but it's a, it's, it's almost like a system of consciousness recalibration because it's, it'll start to come back and be like, well, the pendulum just kind of goes like to and fro, right? It's like, I don't know anything. And it's like, well, I do know something. And then it'll go back and it's like, I don't know anything. And then eventually it resettles back and it's like a redefined center, right? Where it's like, oh, well, just because I now know this or that this is a potentiality doesn't mean that I have to throw out everything that I thought I once knew because it can also exist in that space too, you exactly. know? So yeah, but it's it's interesting because I can see it in my in my imagination right now, just like the pendulum. And then like slowing down, slowing down and coming back to the center where we resettle on like a a new truth, so to speak, because it is like we're we're recalibrating, we're refining ourselves and coming into a more clear proximity to the truth, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I I was listening to Bo say all that and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like really it's just all this bull about mystifying everything. You know, why, why do we need to be in an uproar about the moon, except that someone decided to put out in a spiritual community, all of this information about dark feminine, dark mother, lunar, la la la, whatever. It's like, we mystify it. And now there's Mm -hmm. this mystery around it. So now we have to, you know, sift our beliefs around it. And then we have to discuss like, well, some people worship around the moon. And, And that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's worship and it's all this uh, religious practice around objects and things and systems and whatever. And I swear that always causes more harm than anything else in any group of people. You know, it's like, I told Bo this, I said, you know, it's like Christians whenever Harry Potter came out, you know, they had to boycott the movie and it's bad there's spells there's this there's that and it was like you just turned a whole thing like a movie series into the devil and Mm -hmm. you know it's it's like this this thing uh, in these spaces where it's like we have to figure out what we're for and what we're against what's safe what's not safe and Mm -hmm. um 
it's those kinds of conversations that lead to more and more trouble <laughs> among people and it they really benefit no one. Yeah, well, and there's a difference in awareness, right? There's a difference in being aware of something or recognizing what parts of it are dangerous or that uh, do cause cause harm or are uh, potentially, I don't know, uh, like negative or whatever. You know what I mean? But being being aware of it and discerning it is something completely different than having an out of body experience because of it, right? right. You're not yeah. in control of your experience if you allow something like that to snatch you out of your body and disembody you. Oh, sorry. My, we like made such a big deal about turning all of all of our notifications off and then my phone goes off. My alarm is like, water your plants. <laughs> it's like, yes, I do need to water my plants. There's probably some in here that are not very happy with me. <laughs> but um yeah, so it's like we we can be aware and also not get completely like disembodied whenever it comes exactly. up. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I, yeah, I think a big part of this is the trust. Like this is the same way that trauma is yeah. created in any sense because in order to be traumatized by something or in a situation, there has to be a bridge of trust that's created. So uh, my personal example, me growing up, I trusted the moon in, <laughs> in some way. Um, and then whenever somebody told me this story about how it got here, what it's used for, uh, pointed to all these different ways that it's backed up by NASA and Board of Education, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, my reality is just like shook. But really what happened was my trust was broken. My trust in what I felt like was God at the time, because I felt like, this is all a part of God and this is here because of God. And uh, the, the effect that this has on the earth is perfect in all these different ways. And then someone was like, well, actually, and I had it coming. Uh, not that I was supposed to be traumatized by that, but I had it coming because I was looking for more, looking for more understanding, more answers. And uh, I trusted a certain thing to be true. And I think this is actually coming full circle to how this actually happens in our agreements, in our relationships, because whenever I, I, I had that experience and my trust was broken, it hurt and it made it hard to trust again. So I went around subconsciously trying to make sure other people weren't trusting this. And then mm -hmm. it made me untrusting. And then there was no understanding uh, with where I could trust God again. And then that's why it was like the personal relationship was the remedy for that. And it helped me mm -hmm. to um, alchemize and bring back to real neutrality, my feelings around the moon and being able to see mm -hmm. it and not have that visceral reaction of like, you remind me of a deep trauma that I experienced. You know, <laughs> every time I look at you, I just wish you were gone. <laughs> And this is so interesting too, because what you're saying about how you became untrusting and you went around trying to make sure that other people were not trusting in this object, that is also like inserting yourself into their journey, their experience and trying to manipulate their trajectory too, because, yeah. you know, they may not be ready to have that knowledge yet, or, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, yeah, it may be, they may be on a different timeline or something like that. So, well, um, especially if it's not invited. 
Right. Yeah. And then yeah. Un- dishonoring their boundaries mm-hmm. yeah, or, or being so, like, so <laughs> shocking to them, like jolting them that it does cause trauma to them, you know? Right. And this is, this is another thing that came up too, is like, I w- when I was talking to that girl about the moon, I was like, you know, in Muskogee culture, a lot of our um, time telling, our calendar, all of this yeah. kind of stuff, like our calendar was based on the on the 13 moons also because loja, which is a creek, the creek word for turtle, um, loja is one of the most revered animal totems in our culture because he is the time teller, right? He holds the calendar on his back, mm-hmm. on his shell. And um, a lot of our ceremonies and all this kind of stuff was held around the moon too. And, and like you, Bo, I was in that place where I was like, this is a part of God. This is a part of creator, you know? And so like, but, but when I found that out, my first reaction, when I found out about the moon was, uh, I can't participate in my culture anymore. Oh, dang. You know what I mean? And so then it caused an identity issue in me and a big fracturing. And now, um, you know, I am in a place where I can recognize that that is what it is and choose whether or not I'm going to engage and participate in it and also still honor my culture and where it came from and understand that my ancestors going back to the dawn of humanity did not understand, you know, like, I don't know if you know, alien beings came and and like manipulated their uh, traditions or whatever, you know, it's like, there's a lot that there's a lot of nuance here. There's a lot of things that are happening and they can all happen at the same time. And I don't have to be for or against or anti or this. I can exist in the middle and understand what it is now and also be who I am and not have an identity crisis because of it. Right. And I want to say this too, because I think that all of us grow through the extremes of our life. You know, I think that I would love to say, you know, you just outgrow that and you stop acting and reacting in extreme ways whenever you learn new things or whatever. I, I, I think that it gets better, but I think that we learn through the extreme expressions in our life because we've all done it. We've all swung the pendulum super hard when we've learned new information and been like, oh, well, I'm done with that. Now I'm way over here. Right. This becomes everything. now. But the issue is, is that we can also look back over our lives and go, Every time I swung that pendulum back and forth, back and forth, there were things in my life that ended up breaking apart because that swing is not sustainable and because Mm -hmm. it's not balanced, it breaks things. And so, you know, we've learned through a lot of the breaking in our life and we've learned through a lot of the hurt that we've had in our life from that pendulum swing over and over again. So it's like we learned through the pendulum swing and what we're ultimately wanting to do is come to a place where there is a little bit of a movement back and forth, right? It's just like the, the rhythm of life, but it doesn't have to be so extreme. It's those extreme movements in our life, those extreme responses, those extreme reactions and choices that we know on a level are coming from trauma. And so, right, because we're not actually responding, we're reacting. Right. We're because because response comes from a conscious place, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And so these are the things that we want. I mean, as much as it can sound like we're just talking about all kinds of shit, it, this is actually really um, important, and it's imperative to creating, you know, the kind of community that I think most of us would say we want to exist in. Why? Because we're talking about safety. Safety is the foundation of um, healthy community. Safety. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to feel safe. Uh, no matter what you're doing in your life right now, the choices you're making are to move you into a safer place in your life, whether it's financially or 
health, in your health or, you know, in your relationships, whatever. So that's what we're ultimately all looking for, that safety. Yeah. I will go ahead and finish. I have some things to share after (laughs) this, but I don't mean to cut you off because my energy is like... Yeah, no, no. I just, this was the thing that really was like coming through for me and the story that I shared when we first started this with my own children. It was like, I knew I had to create a safe place because I wanted to have a relationship with them that was nothing like what I had had growing up with my own family. And I wanted to have a true relationship. And, you know, what I'll say about my relationship with them now is um, they are all adults and we get along so great in, in our connection and they do come and we have come. My kids started having conversations with me as teenagers that I thought there's no way in hell I would have ever said this to my parents. I would have never shared this with my parents, but they came to me about things and I never, um, can't say never. I rarely, um, offered advice to them, um, because I know parents love to do that because they think they're so wise and they, I just didn't do it. I waited for them to feel like they were safe enough to come share with me. And then when I created that safety, they would come share things with me. And then they would say, what do you think? And isn't that where we want to be as a, as a parent or as somebody in a space with people we care about where we're not constantly putting our thoughts and our ideas on people and saying, well, here's my advice. Well, here's my advice to you. You know, it's like, um, okay. They, half of them never take our freaking advice. You know, they don't care. They just, whatever. Um, even sometimes people come be like, what do you think I should do? And then they won't take it. So it's like, it's even <laughs> tricky then. But it was like, I just had never had an experience, parent-child experience like that where you know, in my experience, I didn't feel safe enough to talk to my parents. I never asked for their advice. I didn't want their advice. I didn't want anything from them. I was so, I was such an angsty teenager, but you know, with my kids, it was like, they come talk to me and they share things with me and we have a relationship. And I, one of my um, sons just told me um, just a couple days ago, he was just like, I'm so grateful for you in my life. I always feel safe with you because I know you're going to tell me the truth. Mm, that's and amazing. like, Wow. You know, cause I, I can, I can list a, a very long list of how much I screwed up as a parent. Um, but for him to say that and to be where he is in his life and to feel that way, I was like, okay, well, if there's one thing I've done, at least he feels safe enough that he can come have conversations with me. And he knows I'm going to be here, you know, I'm going to be here for him and it's safe. And I would say, you know, in my experience that, if we're going to start anywhere, we have to start there. And so there are ways that we create safety, right? There are ways that that happens. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think the communities that we see, one of the topics that we talked about, even after the end of the last podcast, uh, we <laughs> learned to just keep everything recording because we have conversation <laughs> after these and we were talking about just considering like what we could talk about in this space uh, about which agreements are actually made at an interpersonal level, but uh, at an interpersonal level, but even at a collective level where people start interacting with one another. And then how do these agreements get uh, broken or, you know, where do we start moving out of alignment with what we say we're going to do or how we say we're going to respond Um, at a micro level where eventually at a collective level, macro, uh, we have a massive bifurcation or division. Knowing that these things are going to happen just to kind of purify what's going on and refine certain spaces 
Um, I think that even in the spaces where that have the potential to see it through and to anchor in sustainability, uh, these bifurcations are still happening. So like you said, in order to create that safety in the example you gave, babe, is like your son was like, I know that you're always going to tell me the truth. And that's what makes me feel safe enough to come to you. And it's not <clears throat> always like this hard truth of like, I'm going to, well, you, you brought it to me, so I'm going to check you right now and yeah. lay it down and let you know how it is. Sit your ass down. <laughs> right. It's, I've had to do that before. <laughs> Not right. gonna lie, it's, we've had those moments, but some some experiences in my life like that are the only ones that ever actually <laughs> helped me, um, because you know that was the beyond the point of enabling. Well, and let me clarify really quick because when he was saying that to me, we had had an exchange where I was speaking to him about mistakes I had made. So mm. he was saying. I always know you're going to tell me the truth because you're accountable. Right. That's what he was calling the truth. He was like, you're going to be accountable. That makes sense. In yeah. all of our work and stuff, we've seen that accountability is what creates that safety. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever each person's really willing to stand for their own choices and be responsible for the decisions they make, the words they say, um, even the things they think, just be honest and accountable for them. Um, I think that's where a lot of this falls apart. The accountability mm -hmm. level whenever someone when it, i know for myself i may have even said this in the last episode but i can try to dodge accountability in, in the smallest of ways and until i fully confront every level energetically physically at, at every level what i have done and said not wrong or by mistake but to allow different energies in or different consciousness in anywhere that I have, like I said, in my masculine structure, allowed a leak to open up or uh, let that out. It's like until I'm fully accountable for that and I fully confront it and face it and say, this is what it is, then it leaves it open. There's no closure to that. And I mean, we, I've gone days and days feeling like there's something that I'm not owning here. Or there's something that this other per party is not owning here because it's not resolved. You know, we can do this in our family dynamics for years and years. This is what dysfunction is, is whenever our parents have acted out of integrity or according to their own fears or a trauma has occurred. And as children, of course, we go ahead and take responsibility for that. But if our parents are not able to do that, we can go years and years and years growing up perpetuating those cycles of trauma until finally our mom or our dad or our brother or our uh, our boss or the bully from school uh, whatever it is comes up to us years later and says hey i know i used to treat you like shit <laughs> or i know that there was this one time that i uh, put everything on your shoulders or they kind of be they own up in that way mm -hmm. and it's not to like condemn themselves and they may feel sorry about it but we're not trying to condemn people but it's like until they do that once it happens that thing just melts away it like resolves that year-long trauma years-long trauma lifelong trauma sometimes and mm -hmm. i think even recently what we've experienced is opportunities there's always opportunities multiple opportunities for each party to say this is my part mm -hmm. And if there's at any level, any of us are in denial or in avoidance 
or being dishonest with ourselves first and foremost about the role that we played in some sort of con contradiction or some sort of conflict, uh, it will not be resolved because all parties have to come to that level playing field of accountability. That's mm -hmm. how trust is created. So whenever that's not done, after there's been an agreement for all parties to do it, the trust is broken. The safety is completely wiped away. It's not there anymore. And so it can only be reestablished when all parties are accountable. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking right now, it's like, it's okay for us to be in spaces with people and just let them be a place where we get information, right? Like, that's perfectly fine. Um, it doesn't mean that everybody we encounter in every space that we're in, that we're necessarily trying to build some kind of community with that person. Mm -hmm. But I said all that to say this on the other side. I think that if we're going to progress ourselves as human beings and as um, a culture of, you know, connected people, I think we are going to start looking at those things differently. Even, even in the spaces where we get our information, we're going to start going, you know, this is my baseline for where I get my information. You know, these mm -hmm. are the things that matter to me. These are things I value in spaces where I receive information. And um, yeah, I, I just think that's going to change. Um could you imagine at a political level if we had a politician that was in this, a place of quote-unquote power or authority, even though we know that most of them are just puppets? It's like, could you imagine if any of them were literally like, yeah, I made this mistake, instead of it being like this thing of like putting out the perfect human, the perfect representation, if we like saw them being accountable or um, owning up to their humanity – and not trying mm -hmm. to pretend in this robotic way. And I use politician as an example, but on all levels in our lives, I mean, that's how we all came into relationship. There was a conflict on some level that was brought to the table. And because Jody and I were used to operating in a space of accountability and Danica, you were used to operating in a space of accountability. We stood in that and we embodied what that meant. And it resolved not only the conflict, but we knew we can at least go to this place in our lives right here mm -hmm. to make sure that we can be in an accountable space that's shared. And we learn to trust that we find safety in that. And how mm -hmm. many hard conversations have we navigated because of that baseline? Mm -hmm. You know, countless. Yeah, I agree. I do. This conversation is bringing me back to um, a concept that I brought forward, uh, feels like maybe a few months ago. Um, and <laughs> this is also bringing me back to the beginning of this podcast episode. Uh, episode, what am I saying? Episode. <laughs> Let me learn how to talk. <laughs> this podcast episode, Jody, where you were talking about like people want to um, jump to the, like, the, they want to talk about the collective and the new earth and all this kind of stuff, but they can't even like manage their own household as far as like, um, you know, like the structure of their household and everything. And this concept that I, I really brought forward and it really, there, there are some people that are talking about it now. Um, but whenever I said it at first, I feel like, I feel like it was one of those ideas that was kind of like circling around in the ether that people were picking up on it, but no one had talked about it yet. Mm -hmm. And when I brought it forward, it really felt like it was like really going against the grain. Um, but it, it's a concept of individualism 
prefacing collectivism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that has to be a thing if we're going to have a thriving and diverse and healthy community entity, right? And a lot of people want to talk about individualism as being like this, this bad thing. They talk about individualism being um, selfish, first of all, because the community should come first, right? Um, like we're trying to uh, almost like fast forward into some sort of like egalitarian type of living situation mm. when we're currently like, <laughs> but people tend to look at it more along the lines of like capitalism versus like egalitarianism though. You know I what I mean? Know. They don't actually, huh? I don't know what that means. <laughs> An egalitarian, this is, <laughs> oh my God. An egalitarian society is um, a lot of indigenous communities were uh, n- known as egalitarian societies where they, they, they contributed to the whole, right? They, they shared everything. Everyone really was like an equal uh, they played an equal equal role in the health of the community. And I think that's something that's really great, right? I think that we're in a place now where we don't know how to actually like apply anything to that. Like we can hypothetically and theoretically, but I don't think that we're actually like have the capacity or the bandwidth to be able to actually like have an egalitarian society. We can't even have like friendships, right? Exactly. Come on. <laughs> without, Come them, on like, without them imploding. But um but they they talk about uh they they like to talk a lot about like there's a lot of conflation with capitalism and individualism right that in, individualism is this this bad thing that's very selfish and doesn't really contribute to the whole but if you look at it from an energetic and a spiritual standpoint it most certainly does right very much so, because if we take the idea um, or the philosophy uh, or the fact, actually, that our relationship with God is individual and our relationship with God is found through the self, that is what uh, facilitates alchemy and healing and transmutation of trauma and the discharge of trauma, right? So um, individualism, therefore, is going to be the entry point of a healthy and thriving community because if it truly is a micro to macro type situation where we have to clean up our own back porch before we start trying to clean up the neighborhood, right? Well, we have to start at home. Yes. It has to. It has to come from individual healing. What we do with the self is going to contribute to the collective. So if our relationship with God is found through the self, right? If we're, if we're disembodied or disconnected from the self or, um, you know, pushed outside of our existence due to our trauma, we're not in relationship with God, but relationship with God is where the alchemy happens. Right. So if we, (laughs) I know this is like a long, this is long winded and it's a big conversation, but we have to be connected with the self. We have to be present in the self in order to have a relationship with God. And then that moves into the collective. That's how we contribute something of substance to the collective. And people want to talk about free societies and things like that, but we don't even have energetic freedom. We don't even have, uh, we don't have freedom on a personal level. How are we going to have a free society? How are we going to have a sovereign society? How are we going to have the new earth when we don't even have a a new you, (laughs) you know? (laughs) This reminds me of the the Bible verse that was so quoted to me growing up over and over and over again. And 
you know, every good Christian loves to throw it out, but it's, you know, <laughs> that Jesus taught that all of the law and all of the commandments hang on two things. The first one was love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one was love your neighbor as you love yourself. And, you know, people extrapolated that and said, you have to love God and love people, love God and love people. And I'm like, uh, did you catch that little part right there? It said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So there's a prerequisite here that you know how to freaking love yourself. Okay. Because if you don't know how to love yourself, you can't love anybody else. All right. And so that it was like listening to that and people trying to throw it out as the golden rule and, you know, do unto others and all this stuff. And I'm just like, it's so warped and so twisted. And you're right. It's like people want to throw all this crap out about our own individual process and the relationship we have with ourselves, the relationship I personally have with God, what that looks like. And I'm going to tell you the thing that, and I said this earlier, but it's just like people wanting to go out and start whole movements. Let me go build this community. Let me build a following, right? Let me get my followers up on Instagram. Let me get people to come sit in my classes and my coursework. Let me do this. Let me do that. And their own life is suffering. They're betraying themselves on so many levels. There's not wholeness in their own life. They're not living multidimensionally because they don't even know what that truly means. And then their family life is a wreck. You know, they want to save the world and they can't save their family. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, this is not how this works. So it's really, it's really bizarre to me to think that people are operating in a space. that's like the community over self. It's mm -hmm. like, there is no community without the self. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of selves in the community, you know, yeah. like, right. Exactly. It. The individual makes <laughs> up the community. Right. It's fractal. If the individual is sick, like on a fundamental level, it's going to poison the whole community. The whole community is going to get sick. Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. Because at a cellular level, at a cellular <laughs> cellular, at a, at a words cellular, are hard. Okay? <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to learn me how to speak over here. We're, we're all struggling with the language right now. <laughs> but at a cellular level, I mean, the intelligence of each cell is dependent really well, it has its own intelligence, but cells work together to communicate with one another uh, in a symbiotic, synergistic way. And for example, if you have uh, a cell that is coded with, I don't know, the say you have a pet dog, right? And you have uh, hair that gets in your mouth and somehow a cell from that dog's hair makes it into your body your body is going to recognize that cell as that of a dog. Right? The hair so of a dog. <laughs> it's going to be like this cell right here belongs to a dog and we are intelligent enough in our cooperation and understanding of our own selves to know that we are human cells. Um, I don't know if it makes it to your, your digestive system at that point or whatever, but eventually it will completely eject, reject or expel that cellular makeup <clears throat> that completely does not compute. So it's dependent, like you said, on each cell knowing what it is at a, at a molecular level and cooperating at that agreement. Because if there's anything that is a lack of understanding within each cell and the intelligence of that 
knowing itself and being a part of the whole and what it's working to create, then that will create a leak that will create mm-hmm. a, a broken link in the chain. And there will be a lot of confusion. And as soon as that happens, there can be all different kinds of signals and messages being sent between the cells. I mean, this is also a parallel as to what we're experiencing on a worldwide level. Uh, Speaking of viral infections and people's bodies not knowing what the hell is going on, how to defend itself, it's because there's been so many different lapses in understanding of who we are and what we're here for, what we're made of, uh, where we come from. Us individuals, Mm -hmm. people as the cells of the body that makes up the human experience, we're so broken apart from one another in understanding like, well, being separated from where we all come from at our core. And I know that this is the almost a paradox here of like be having a necessary process of understanding at an individual level, what we're here to do and honoring that. But then all realizing that whenever we do that within ourselves, we all come to the same place eventually and realizing that we all do come from the same place energetically and It's like we have this um, foreign thing that enters into our species and starts sending all these signals and messages and our bodies, not only individually our physical bodies, but our mindset and our state of consciousness being so disconnected from where it originally was, uh, allowing this thing to come in and wreak havoc in the way that it does. And I think the way that things affect us physically are very much connected to our state of consciousness and our relationship with God and where we're being sourced from. Because if we're relying on structures that are fallible, unsustainable, going to crumble at the simple blow of a wind or even a mighty storm that blows through, if we're not coming to a common ground understanding as a collective, then that thing is going to wreak havoc, absolutely infiltrate every level of our population, just like we've seen. And we're going to try to come up with all these solutions to deal with it, but they're just working to distract from the core energetic solution, which is what we've been talking about here, coming back to a baseline understanding and agreement, not to get caught up in the nuance. Okay. Allowing your personal expression, your individual uh, realization, self-realization, but connecting back with our source, connecting back with God, not even arguing about what that is, because as we each do that, we start to realize that there's nothing to even argue about because it's Mm -hmm. known. It starts to be something that you can't really discuss, but each person can give examples and see where it's showing up. And we can come to a common understanding, common ground, like you're saying, Danica, at that point, once that personal level is realized, then we can start to you know, really come together in a way that a lot of people are trying to, but they're bypassing that initiatory personal process of going within and, um, you know, uh, you said it, babe, self, like that love of the self. And like, I think what you described, Danica, is like people almost um, villainizing this pursuit of the self. I see a lot of virtue in abandoning the self being emphasized. And it's like this whole idea around service work or 
purpose for humanity is like this deep remembrance of being a part of the whole. And yes, that's what I'm here for. But to have a taste of that without actually walking through the initiation of cultivating that inner personal interpersonal mm-hmm. part, it's like that will create an abandonment of self and then a whole virtue around that. So it's even harder to let go of those self-deprecating ideas, the, um, yeah, the, um, self-abandoning, but what's it called whenever, uh, self-defeating, I think it's self-defeating, but it's like almost like an energetic poverty vow that happens Mm. within people and not just, um, monetary poverty vows, but like an energetic poverty vow and complete martyrdom. Martyrdom. That's the fucking word. Thank you. (laughs) I was thinking that and I was like, maybe that's not the word. (laughs) You said poverty vow and I was like, wait a second. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's, there's room here to acknowledge the nuance between, um, uh, selfishness and self-nurturance because I feel like there's a lack of understanding between those two things too, especially when our wounds are activated and we allow other people to project stuff onto us about like, you know, we're, we're doing something for ourselves and then we're made to feel selfish about it. There's that guilt, the incitation of guilt and all of that too. Um, but there was something I was going to say. And, uh, so, our our peer Rachel, I don't know how to pronounce her middle name. Is it Alea? Rachel Alea? Oh, yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I she posted on one of the posts that I made about the individualism prefacing collectivism, and she actually likened it to like um, from a gardener standpoint, a monocrop, which I thought was really interesting because um, in gardening we have this practice called like companion crops. And it's where we'll plant different things uh, like different flowers or herbs or whatever in with our food crops and things like that, because it it will like replenish the soil. This goes back to indigenous times. And even in Muscogee culture, we have what's called the three sisters, which is uh, corn, beans, and squash, right? And my ancestors knew that if you grew them all together, they grew better because the three of those would um, fill in the voids that the other ones created. Hmm. And so individually, they all served a purpose together whenever, uh, when they were grown together, the yield was actually higher. And Rachel was saying in, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, um, if I remember correctly, she was saying in her comment on my post that a monocrop actually will, um, deplete all of the soil or kill the foundation, right? Um, it will also be, uh, have a higher proclivity for pests and things like that, because there's not a companion crop there to, um, or what we call like a trap crop or something like that, uh, where pests will be attracted to that, to that instead. So there's a lot of, uh, dis-ease that comes with a monocrop. And this, <laughs> this is what we see with like, um, this, uh, this culture that we're in or that we're experiencing now with all these different factions saying that there's no room for nuance. If you have to be all the way, 100% this, or you can't be that. Right. Um, and where was I going with this? Oh, individualism. (laughs) I say all of this to make a point, but is there a punchline? I don't know. Um, (laughs) so, uh, what I was going to say is that 
in the individualism, the individuals and the diverse individual, right? If we're talking about diversity, we, it, we have to talk about diversity of thought, diversity of belief, diversity of timelines, where we're at in our journeys, right? Di a diverse collective of individuals is what makes the community thrive and healthy, right? And we can't even unify because we don't even have skills with con constructive uh, conflict resolution mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we get so triggered about everything, right? So I feel like this is another thing that needs to be talked about is constructive conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or even, even getting stuck in the triggers. Mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. don't, they're going to happen. <laughs> but getting right. stuck in them and looping through the triggers is something that Whenever you overcome that, you really feel a difference and see transformation in relationships. Yeah. But yeah, mm -hmm. everything that exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I think yeah. that there, there's just like all of this, um, everything that is being said here is so good and um, valuable to this idea of what this healthy community, you know, is that we want to ultimately exist within and starting with ourselves, right? Starting there and moving out from that place so that we learn good habits and um, good practices in our relationship with ourselves, in our personal relationship with God, that uh, reciprocal place of accountability and grace. And we let that be demonstrated beyond ourselves in the other relationships that we have. And I think there's just so much focus on community, community, community. And that's why this conversation is so valuable, I think, because it's like, yeah, well, let's start with first things first. You know, like, mm -hmm. yes, the community will grow organically when these places are healthy. Mm -hmm. Community is a byproduct of the health of the self. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. So, exactly. But so many people are longing for fellowship. They want community. They want to feel like they're a part of something, but they have nothing to contribute because they don't, you know, they're fractured or not whole or they're, they're spiritually ill or, you know what I mean? It's like, they can't, don't have the capacity to be a part of a healthy community. So then what? Right. <laughs> right. So then we just perpetuate the sickness, you know, and we, we build, um, broken and fractured, um, alliances and we build, um, groups of people or we see collections of people come together and they become, you know, mobs mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to, you know, a functioning, thriving community. It's like, um, I think we've said this before because at this point we've actually been in the same physical space for extended periods of time. We've lived in the same space with each other now three different times. Um, just through visiting back and forth, been to Florida, been to Texas. And we, it's really bizarre because I will say this, the way that we cohabitate in the space is like so fluid. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the first things that we noticed the first time we came to Florida and visited. We had never even been, we had never even seen each other. except for We had not actually met in real life yet. Yeah. yeah. We came, we, we drove to Florida and we stayed with you. Plan to stay for a few days. And we ended up, how long were we there, Danica? Like 10. Like, like 12 days. Yeah. 12 days. Almost two weeks. Yeah. You were like, you were like, we're going to stay the weekend. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then it got time for us to go. And Danica's like, but you can wait till Tuesday. Um, well, We're looking how, on our calendar. How, two more days. Two more days. But the thing was, is that we really, truly enjoyed each other's company. 
and there was a fluidity to our interaction and everything that was happening in that space. And it was like, we just moved around in like a well-oiled machine in that space. You know, it was like everybody, just, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just very, very organic. And we even commented on it because it's not, that is not a common thing that people do. They don't get in the same space and like everything just flows like honey and it's just easy, you know? And now we've done it multiple times. And every time we do it, our relationship is strengthened through it. You know, we, we totally enjoy hanging out with each other. We totally want to be in the same space and all of that. And there's this really wonderful depth to our connection. So it's not even like, we just love hanging out. Oh my God. You know, it's not like girlfriend slumber party time. And we might do that, but it's like, there's a lot of depth here in the relationship because we have had to come at it from some very raw places. We have had Mm -hmm. to have even some real, real, real conversations and say things that most people are afraid to say in relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, ask questions, you know, all that stuff. And we've been willing to go there. And because we've been willing to go there and do it with the love that we have for ourselves and for each other, it's only strengthened the bond that we have. Mm -hmm. And I, I said this to you once before Danica, I I think you and I were talking and I said, you know, people are hung up on community, 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 but they're forcing it Mm -hmm. and they don't let things come together organically. And we can't, we can't just claim something as, you know, our, our community or our monad or whatever the hell word we want to use because we all follow the same people on social media or, you know, whatever, because we like the same posts. I don't know. It's, it's deeper than that. It's much deeper than that. It's so much deeper than that. And I'm so grateful that what we have been able to exchange has been allowed to happen so organically because that is how God works. Mm -hmm. God Mm -hmm. is about the organic process. There's no forcing, there's no pushing, there's no manipulation. And so if we could all just take a step back and stop trying to force community and stop trying to force this collection of people and just start allowing things to come together organically and agreeing that we're going to meet at this place. This is the standard at which if we build anything, we build it from here. If we can start doing that in our homes, in our own life with ourselves, you know, setting a standard for ourselves and holding ourselves to a certain standard. And then not, not that we have to go take that bar that we are setting in our lives and go whopping people on the head with them and be like, Hey, boom, boom, this is the standard, you know, meet me here or don't come, you know, it's like, just hold the standard in your life. And then people will come to you organically in that way. And if and you slip, take accountability for it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The accountability this, thing is so big. Yeah. And this is bringing up something for me around uh, prematurity because I feel like, um, and I see this a lot, especially in healing communities, people want to focus on the outcome or what they feel like the outcome should be, but they negate the actual journey and they try to eliminate all of these steps that are somewhere in the middle and they try to skip over them. And it ends up being, like you said, forced, but in the grand scheme of things with, and especially when we're talking about uh, like the context of God and divine timing, everything ends up being premature. People are trying to like, like you said, just force everything and nothing is, nothing's working because the timing's not right. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's just, I don't know what I'm trying to say. (laughs) No, I get, I totally get what you're saying. 
Yeah. I'm just going to stumble on all my words. <laughs> I mean, the, the little will tell what the much will be in this case. I mean, well, in every case. <laughs> and Wait, what? Say that again. Sorry, my mind didn't compute what you just said. <laughs> I said, the little will tell what the much will be. Oh, I thought you said something about a little hotel. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> no. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend that um, I used to... I tried to start a music showcase with him and um, his dad. There's there's two. Well, I don't know that much about Jamaican culture, but from what this guy says, there's two major families in um, Jamaica. And I can't. It was the Marleys and then one other family. And his dad was a part of this other family that I can't remember the name of. But he used to always say that it was like the little will tell what the much will be. He used to always kind of drop that little piece of, of wisdom. And I it like really it applies in so many areas. And it's so exactly. true because I mean, this was um, a big, big focus of the webinar that I did last September was this community blueprint, but what makes that community blueprint what it is at the personal level. And this is almost like a final thought of mine. Uh, but if each person is really, putting their effort, their energy, their resources, their focus back into their own relationship with God. It creates a union within themselves that informs them at a base level, at a core level of an energetic standard that ensures their safety. It ensures their life uh, to be vital. And this is a vital requirement whenever we're talking about life-filled, sustainable community. It's for each mm -hmm. individual to carry that union uh, within themselves and be guided, like you guys said, not prematurely into things where they're forcing it. I mean, this is just mm -hmm. basic understanding of surrender to God's will, to that relationship and what that creates uh, from an internal space externally in each of our lives. And the communities that we're in, are it in a sense of our choosing, but externally the outcomes is the people that we interact with come out of the woodwork. And these aren't things that we choose because of celebrity status or um, any sort of other anchor point. We don't come into social groups that are about things that don't last. We come into relationships that are unexpected, that sometimes we're right under our noses. And this isn't about abandoning the families that we already have, but it's also not about staying in a dysfunctional system. Mm -hmm. Your journey in your personal relationship with God will lead you to places that other people cannot go with you. And that's where you find the people that make up your community. Whenever nothing is familiar anymore, whenever you've done so much work that you hardly recognize yourself, but you're more alive than you ever have been. You're more fulfilled than you ever have been. And you are healing day by day by day. And I guess there is a recognition that comes in that. It's a remembrance that happens. And it's in that space where you, you are unfamiliar with everything else that the things that are most familiar to you will come into your life. They'll meet you there. And that's where these communities are formed. And the spaces that we don't know how to get to until we bring our focus and our attention to the space of the heart and the consciousness and the blueprint that's held there mm -hmm. for each of us. Because 
whenever that blueprint starts to expand, we see the communities that we're really searching for come into fruition. And it doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like. I mean, this relationship that we all share together, um, I mean, even at a more interpersonal level, I can say for myself, my relationship with Jody and uh, I know Danica, for you and your marriage, it's like these things, they don't look like what you expected them to look like. And for me and Jody, it was like right under my nose for a year. Mm -hmm. By the time we both started to realize, holy shit, this is what we're looking for. This, what we have here is the thing that we've been praying to God for, that we've been asking God for, the structure, the stability, the accountability, the activation, the life that we feel we can express here, the freedom that we feel. We're going to all start to feel that in every area of our lives, but we can't go moving the pieces on our own. We have mm -hmm. to pull our energy out of the things that are draining that life from us and mm -hmm. put it back into our own cultivate, like cultivate our own relationship. And that uh, will create almost like a detachment externally from so many things that we were guided. Even if we're blindfolded, we're guided from something that's much truer than what this world can offer us. Mm -hmm. And these are the kinds of communities that will actually be sustainable and fulfilling and alive and they will last they will outlast this world mm -hmm. we will mm -hmm. see this world come and go and these communities will still stand these relationships will still be holding firm yeah these foundations they'll they'll be the thing that stand the test of time and everything else that time can throw at it so it's like um what you just said i just have to address because danica and i will have conversation I'm just messaging each other. And I can't tell you how many times in a week we say to each other, like, I'm just so excited for what's happening in our life right now. I'm just so excited mm -hmm. for what's, you know, unfolding, what's transpiring. And it's like, isn't that where we want to be in our life where it's like the connections that we make and the spaces we invest ourselves create this activating excitement in our life, because mm -hmm. there's like, there's something there that's full of life, you know, and that's what mm -hmm. community is supposed to look like. Right. Right. It doesn't look like a bunch of numbers. It looks like where life exists. Mm -hmm. What did, what was the, what was the phrase? The little will tell what the, the much, much will be. Will be. Mm -hmm. I think we can apply that to individualism and collectivism too. Yes. The little will tell what the much will be. The health of the individual, like the spiritual energetic health of the individual will tell the energetic and spiritual health of the collective. Right. It's and all we all all we have to do is, you know, and I think it can sometimes get confusing because people will present themselves as whole or healed and like totally healed, like they have no work to do or that they've got all their shit together or whatever, right? But it's That's like the first red flag. <laughs> <laughs> we know that shit's a lie, right? <laughs> but for people who don't know, all you have to do is is. If before you're before you even commit to or agree to become a, a part of a community, all you have to do is look at the pieces within it. Look at the people within it. And if they're presenting themselves in a certain way, look at their life. Is their life in shambles? Is it falling apart around them? Like are they standing in the middle of a fire saying, I'm fine, I'm whole, I'm healed, this is fine? Right? It's like, are they consistently dark attacked? <laughs> Are they, are they, you know what I mean? Like, right. are they drowning in their relationship with God? Like this relationship with God, that's so strong, yet they're drowning in every other area of life. 
Well, here's right. when I. But um, that's not a real relationship with God, right? That's not. It's, it's sucking the life out of every other aspect of your life. That is a clear indication that it's not a relationship with God. It's a relationship with something. But God doesn't siphon. God doesn't harvest. Right. God's not going to give you all these gifts that would make you weaker or incapable of actually navigating the yeah. existence that you're in, right? Exactly. God doesn't you. do that. Mm-mm. No. I used to, uh, before I did quantum work, um, I coached people, men, uh, mostly men, uh, honestly, there were some women that I coached, but they were all business owners and they would call me and I would go in and do contract work for their company and help them, um, grow their employee base or, you know, restructure or whatever. And I can't tell you how many times I would sit down with the owner of the company and every single time, every time they'd start in with me and be like, I can't get the employees to do this. And it's just, you know, there's just not, you just can't find good help these days. If I've heard that phrase once, I've heard it a thousand times. Mm -hmm. You cannot find good help these days, blah, blah, blah. Nobody wants to work. Everybody's this and that. And I have maybe one or two good people here and I just need this ship to turn around and blah, 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 blah. And I would sit and I would listen to the whole thing. And then I would say, (laughs) so when can I set up a meeting with you and your family? Let's have dinner. And it was like, uh, 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 what? No, like, excuse me? No, I need you to focus on my employees who are shitty. And I'd be like, no, we're going to start right here because I want to see how your family interacts with you. You're the head of this company. I want to see how you run your home because how you are with your family is going to tell me everything I need to know about what's wrong here. You think it's them. It's you. You know, it's always you because you're the the head of this thing. And so it's just like speaking to what y'all are just talking about. It's like, no, you know, it's like we can't be doing this thing where it's like it's these people out here and and this is falling apart because people are doing this like, well, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing? How are you getting along? What's going on in your life? We've got Mm -hmm. to start there. It just it always starts Mm -hmm. there and people don't want to hear that. Yeah. I, th- I think another thing too is like, even in the things that we've mentioned in this uh, space here about everything that's like wonderful and peachy, the relationship that we've all been able to find in this, um, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. We, ha- we're going through transitions. We are going through uh, the fires, the storms. And it's not that um, you shouldn't go through flames or fires. And if you, or then something's not right, but it's like the the constant, almost like it's constantly in shambles. That's kind of what we were talking about mm-hmm. here because yeah. we're each yeah. I'm go- glad that you made that distinction. Yeah, because I certainly wasn't trying to say that there's no contrast because there is. <laughs> there is. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I mean, I look at December and it was like, <laughs> that was a tough one. Um, just with everything. <laughs> December was yeah. a tough month because so many things changed and there were things that were, breaking away i mean you you in that relationship with god my god like you are going to be refined mm-hmm. i mean we talk about this in our in our in our coursework but it's like that refining uh process and the refiner's fire almost it's like that mm-hmm. will crumble the things that uh, are taking from you are taking life from you that are not aligned to what god is trying to give you trying to reimburse you for Mm -hmm. redeem in your life and completely fill back up that can hit very close to home it can look very uh big sometimes and 
of course, being held through that is what the relationship is there for. Um, and we're talking about almost as you get squeezed through the eye of the storm, the wormhole, it's like what you find on the other side is the expansion of that squeezing, uh, that refining process. And mm-hmm. that's what, that, you know, that is what we found here in all this relationship that we three share. But yeah, it took some squeezing. It took some stretching. It took a little bit of crumbling things. Um, and having a, a sturdy structure and framework, which was found on the way. It's not like you get the framework and then you go through the process. It's like you find it in the middle of the storm. It's not mm-hmm. that you shouldn't be going through storms or whatever, because there are some right. that we're going through right now. I mean, there's relationships. We don't know what's going to happen with them or where they're going to go. Or um, I know there's conversations for myself that I want to have to repair certain things, but there's also places in my life where I know I can't go to have those conversations because there's uh, already so much like in my family group and my family unit is like, I've kind of moved into a place where it's not safe for me to bring a lot of the places where I'm actually at to them. They can't really hold that. And so safety is a mutual thing. It's not one way. It It, has to be reciprocated. Right. And I know that what I feel like I've lost in my family dynamic of my family of origin, it's been restored to me in relationships like this, mine with Jody and, our space here with Danica and not even just this podcast, but you know, outside of this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then also so many more that it's like that one relationship can fill 10 that fell apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. There's so much good stuff in yeah. here. I, what did I just say? I feel like I just slurred my words together. So much good stuff. <laughs> Speaking in cursive. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know if I have much more to add to that. Yeah. I just think like, I think it's good to just like bring it all together and be like, you know, in our estimation of what community looks like in terms of health and, you know, a thriving space, what would Mm -hmm. you guys say just really simply? I would say trust, a foundation of trust, honoring of agreements and boundaries. Um, Honoring the nuance and the individual, starting at an individual level, um, as far as like spiritual and energetic and health go, and um, trying to stay out of the extremes of the spectrums. Yeah. What was the question? <laughs> I'm sorry, I was thinking. Healthy community. Like, how would you summarize that for yourself? <laughs> like, the, what are the things that you feel like are important to just say here before we yeah everything that um danica said the things that we've talked about but i mean for me personally god has to be at the center of it all yes yeah uh-huh. for sure I, totally I don't know how i left that out it's <laughs> like that's like that is the epicenter of all health everywhere in life and creation <laughs> yeah so i mean i guess because i thought it was implied right <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. It's a prerequisite, y'all. It's literally yeah. everything that we've been talking about is a is a byproduct of that. So cultivating that relationship, that guidance system, reconnecting back to that is like it makes everything else uh, a byproduct. It makes everything else not ours to take care of. The things that Danica said, those are those are our shit to be accountable for, to handle personally. That is a part of having that relationship with God and 
Um, I think cultivating that relationship also makes very clear what's not ours to handle. And um, it helps us to be guided in a way that the world won't offer. I'd like to add accountability and integrity into that. Absolutely. And I would even say, you know, we have to, um, in order to create something that's healthy and in a, in a space, um, whether it's for ourselves or with our family, and then moving out from that into the community at large, it's like we have to value accountability over tolerance. Exactly. You know, um, we have to really know what compassion means. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to um, find the value in establishing safety in every space in our life, mm-hmm. especially for ourselves, because of course we're the ones that are longing for it so much and um, you know, letting, letting the pieces and, and the people move organically into our lives and into our space and stop forcing things that don't need to be forced and um, mm-hmm. letting things unfold. It's like this right here. This podcast is a perfect example. Can you imagine if when we met a year ago, we were like, we should do a podcast. We should totally do a podcast. You know, we, wouldn't yeah. that be so much fun? And we started trying to put that together. Instead, like a, a year a transpired and so much happened in that space. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that we didn't think that we could collaborate. We, we probably thought that a long time ago, you know, just based on our interaction then. But we just let things unfold. And then they did. And then here we are. The door opened mm. up and we stepped right on through. Right. I love what you said about um, valuing accountability over tolerance because I think a lot of what people are trying to create uh, because of places where they feel hurt or excluded is an all-inclusive community experience. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that may be something to evaluate down the line Yeah. because the more we try to be all inclusive and it's not about being exclusive necessarily because uh, right. the truth is not exclusive, but I think whenever it comes down to it, it's also not really all inclusive in that way. So I, no, think, just, I think that's what the agreements for. And coming I to think there's place. a disconnect around what diversity really means, right? So because too. diversity is not all inclusive. Diversity is an agreement. It's an honoring of, um, not just race and religion and creed and all of this kind of stuff, sexual orientation, diversity of thought, diversity of belief, um, diversity of uh, like where you are in your journey or on your timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, all mm-hmm. of these things contribute to diversity. Um, and I think it was Africa Brooke that said this, but if we're not including diversity of thought, diversity of belief, into the umbrella of diversity, it's not really diversity. It's performative action, right? It's just a performance. Mm-hmm. And the the we like to conflate inclusivity with diversity because we think, oh, we're being tolerant of all of these different types of people or whatever. But oftentimes these are the spaces where there's the most uh, intolerance because people are just really self-censoring themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like unconditional love. Does it isn't really like, absolute tolerance yeah so i see what you're saying yeah yeah, i think that's so good what you said danica yeah yeah so anyways (laughs) anyways all right well (laughs) yeah i guess that's it i do want to say like you guys join the conversation like we have an instagram 
um, if you don't already know. Um, and we may be expanding our platform uh, in due time. Uh, hopefully at some point we can be tech, tech savvy and have the right spaces to be able to not only audibly, 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 <laughs> Not only audibly, you know, bring this experience to you, but um, visually as well. I mean, that's something that we've even talked about. And I want you guys to join the conversation and feel free to interact on um, social media with us and uh, get in contact with us if you'd like to. And um, yeah, just be a part. We should have been quiet. We should have been called the Quantum Hillbillies with the way that we're struggling <laughs> over the real yeah. yeah. Hey, I feel like we've done a really good job of completing this podcast episode and getting our thoughts across in a very clear manner, considering that we were struggling with our language tonight. But I know. I think so too. Is to this, follow up it? on what you're saying, Bo, there is an option on Spotify and Anchor for people to send in voice notes to us if they want to expand on a topic. And that I want to let everyone know that that is a possibility. And I also, in the next episode that's coming up, I also published a poll. Um, so I asked question. I'm looking for, uh, I asked question. I asked question. I asked a question. <laughs> and I'm obviously looking for a response from our um you know, audience, uh, we want to interact with you. And, um, so yeah, send in a voice note, um, participate in the poll. And also, um, the poll I think will be active on Friday with the new episode because it pertains to that episode. And if you will, if you're listening and you enjoy the podcast, please give us a, you know, a review, an honest review, a truthful, truthful, a truthful review. My goodness, my goodness. We hit the we hit this off a little too hard tonight before we got on this podcast. I feel slain in the spirit. I'm drunk. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yes, we do want to, uh, you know, interact, have interactions with all of you listeners and audience. So yes, feel free to send us a voice note and we can actually even add the voice notes into the podcast episodes if we want to. So that That is so awesome. Yeah. Mm Y'all we want to hear from you. Yeah. As questions, we, we may just, uh, I think that it would be cool to have like a, an episode where we just like do like a Q and a, or I think we've even talked about expanding the options of how we interact, not just through the podcast episodes, but mm-hmm. through uh, different live feeds or streams, um, live streams. And Why don't we do that? Why don't we have people like send in voice notes and then our next episode, we just compile the voice notes and just talk about the stuff that they want to hear. I would love that. I'm with it. Yeah. That'd be so much fun. And we'll, we're going to visit Danica soon. At some point, very soon, so there will be some episodes where we don't have any issues with audio and we all just get to <laughs> be in the space that we were in when this idea was birthed. Yep. And I think that would be yeah. really special too. So look for those all right. things. All right. Until next time. Peace. Peace.